Welcome. This podcast was created by the Second Marine Division, Second Class Petty Officer Association, built by sailors for sailors. Section 105, General Combat Leadership Fundamentals. Identify and explain the nine common elements found in a combat environment. Violent, unnerving sights and sounds. Casualties. Confusion and lack of information. Isolation. Communications breakdown. Individual discomfort and physical fatigue. Fear, stress, and mental fatigue. Continuous operations. Homesickness. Explain the characteristics that enable Marines and sailors to overcome fear. Morale. The capacity of an individual or unit to maintain belief in the team or mission, particularly in the face of opposition or hardship. Morale improves unit cohesion and can be measured by the ability of a unit to pull together persistently and consistently to complete the mission. Discipline. The assertion of willpower over more base desires and is usually understood in conjunction with self-control. It ensures prompt obedience to orders and initiation of appropriate action in the absence of orders in both individuals and units. Spirit de corps. A French expression meaning spirit of core, it denotes a strong shared unit spirit, mutual solidarity and fellowship, sense of duty and devotion to a cause among the unit's members. It exemplifies not only the fighting spirit, but the pride for a unit and country and the devotion and loyalty to the other members of the unit that the men and women fight and serve with. Proficiency, the technical, tactical, and physical ability to perform the job or mission. Motivation, compels people to act based on needs, desires, and impulses. Discuss and explain the six troop leading steps. BAMSIS. Begin planning. Use MET TAC T, mission, enemy, terrain, troops, and time available to begin estimates of the situation based on the content of the order received from the next senior echelon. Terrain orientation as seen from a vantage point, map, or aerial photograph. Plan use of available time for personal slash subordinates reconnaissance and planning. Movement of the unit. Formulate a tentative plan of action based on the preliminary estimate of the situation, the higher commander's orders, and the commander's intent. Arrange for reconnaissance. Reconnaissance. Movement of the unit to include the route, persons to accompany the commander slash leader, and the schedule of prearranged meetings with adjacent and supporting unit leaders. Subordinate leaders are notified of the time and place where the order will be issued and a time and place for prearranged meetings with adjacent and supporting unit leaders for coordination. Make reconnaissance. 
revise the estimate of the situation and preliminary plan as necessary. Select a vantage point from which to orient subordinates. Affect coordination with adjacent and supporting unit leaders as planned. Confirm tactical control measures. Complete the plan. Receive recommendations. Complete the estimate and arrive at a decision. Prepare the order. Issue the order. Orient subordinate leaders. Ensure a thorough understanding of the orientation. Utilize standard operation order format. Ensure a thorough understanding of the order. Supervise. The planning and preparation by subordinates and the conduct of operations. The acronym BAMSIS is utilized to memorize the six troop leading steps. Understanding it is the first step in applying it. Explain the six articles of the Code of Conduct. The six articles of the Code of Conduct are a personal conduct mandate and serve as the guide for all American military forces in time of war and in time of peace. The articles of the Code embrace statements of dedication to the United States and to the cause of freedom, conduct on the battlefield, and conduct as a prisoner of war. Article 1. I am an American fighting in the armed forces which guard my country and our way of life. I am prepared to give my life in their defense. Article 2. I will never surrender of my own free will. If in command, I will never surrender the members of my command while they still have the means to resist. Article 3. If I am captured, I will continue to resist by all means available. I will make every effort to escape and aid others to escape. I will accept neither parole nor special favors from the enemy. Article 4. If I become a prisoner of war, I will keep faith with my fellow prisoners. I will give no information nor take part in any action which might be harmful to my comrades. If I am senior, I will take command. If not, I will obey the lawful orders of those appointed over me and will back them in every way. Article 5. When questioned, should I become a prisoner of war, I am required to give name, rank, service number, and date of birth. I will evade answering further questions to the utmost of my ability. I will make no oral or written statements disloyal to my country and its allies or harmful to their cause. Article 6 I will never forget that I am an American fighting for freedom, responsible for my actions, and dedicated to the principles which made my country free. I will trust in my God and in the United States of America. Thank you for listening. Please share our program with your command and on social media to benefit sailors across the globe. Welcome. This podcast was created by the 2nd Marine Division, 2nd Class Petty Officer Association, built by sailors for sailors.
Section 105, General Combat Leadership Fundamentals. Discuss and explain the rights of a prisoner of war. Humane treatment of prisoners. Prisoners of war must at all times be humanely treated. Any unlawful act or mission by the detaining power causing death or seriously endangering the health of a prisoner of war in its custody is prohibited and will be regarded as a serious breach of the Geneva Convention. No prisoner of war may be subjected to physical mutilation or to medical or scientific experiments of any kind, which are not justified by the medical, dental, or hospital treatment of the prisoner concerned and carried out in his interest. Prisoners of war must at all times be protected, particularly against acts of violence, intimidation, insults, and public curiosity. Measures of reprisal against prisoners of war are prohibited. Respect for the person of prisoners. Prisoners of war are entitled in all circumstances to respect for their persons and their honor. Women shall be treated with all regards due to their sex and shall in all cases benefit from treatment equal to men. Taking into consideration any privileged treatment which may be granted due to their state of health, age, or professional qualifications, all prisoners of war shall be treated alike by the detaining power without any adverse distinction based on race, nationality, religious belief, or political opinions, or any other distinction founded on similar criteria. Questioning of Prisoners Every prisoner of war, when questioned on the subject, is bound to give only full name and rank, date of birth, and serial number, or failing this, provide equivalent information. No physical or mental torture, nor any other form of coercion, may be inflicted on prisoners of war to secure information of any kind. Prisoners of war who refuse to answer may not be threatened, insulted, or exposed to unpleasant or disadvantageous treatment of any kind. Quarters. Prisoners of war shall be housed under conditions as favorable as those for the forces of the detaining power who are billeted in the same area. In any camps in which both women and men are accommodated as prisoners of war, separate dormitories shall be provided for them. Food. The basic daily food rations shall be sufficient in quantity, quality, and variety to keep prisoners of war in good health and prevent loss of weight or the development of nutritional deficiencies. Collective disciplinary measures affecting food are prohibited. Clothing. Clothing, underwear, and footwear shall be supplied to prisoners of war in sufficient quantities by the detaining power, which shall make allowance for the climate of the region where the prisoners are detained. Hygiene. The detaining power shall be bound to take all sanitary measures necessary to ensure the cleanliness and healthfulness of camps and to prevent epidemics. Medical Attention Inspections Prisoners of war may not be prevented from presenting themselves to the medical authorities for examination. Every camp shall have an adequate infirmary where prisoners of war may have the attention they require as well as appropriate diet. Isolation wards shall be set aside for cages of contagious or mental disease. Prisoners of war suffering from serious disease or whose condition necessitates special treatment, a surgical operation, or hospital care must be admitted to any military or civilian medical unit where such treatment can be given, even if their repatriation is contemplated in the near future. 
Medical inspections of prisoners of war shall be held at least once a month. They shall include the checking and the recording of the weight of each prisoner of war. Their purpose shall be, in particular, to supervise the general state of the health, nutrition, and cleanliness of prisoners and to detect contagious disease. Authorize work and conditions. The detaining power may utilize the labor of prisoners of war who are physically fit, taking into account their age, sex, rank, and physical aptitude, and with a view particularly to maintaining them in a good state of physical and mental health. Prisoners of war must be granted suitable working conditions, especially regarding accommodation, food, clothing, and equipment. Such conditions shall not be inferior to those enjoyed by nationals of the detaining power employed in similar work. No prisoner of war shall be assigned to labor which is of military character or purpose. Conditions of labor shall in no case be rendered more arduous by disciplinary measures. Dangerous or humiliating labor. Unless they volunteer, no prisoner of war may participate in labor which is of an unhealthy or dangerous nature. No prisoner of war shall be assigned to labor which would be looked upon as humiliating for a member of the detaining power's own forces. Religious freedoms. Prisoners of war shall enjoy complete latitude in the exercise of their religious duties, including attendance at their service of their faith, on condition that they comply with the disciplinary routine prescribed by the military authorities. Correspondence. Prisoners of war shall be allowed to send and receive letters and cards. Prisoners of war shall be allowed to receive individual parcels or collective shipments containing foodstuffs, clothing, medical supplies, and articles of a religious, educational, or recreational character. Punishment. No prisoner of war may be punished more than once for the same act or on the same charge. Collective punishment for individual acts, corporal punishment, imprisonment, in premises without daylight, and in general, any form of torture or cruelty are forbidden. No prisoner of war may be tried or sentenced for an act which is not forbidden by the law of the detaining power or by international law in force at the time the act was committed. No prisoner of war may be convicted without having had an opportunity to present their defense and the assistance of a qualified advocate or counsel. Posting of the Geneva Convention, Regulations, and Orders Concerning Prisoners In every camp, the text of the Geneva Convention, its annexes, and the contents of any special agreement shall be posted in the prisoner's own language at places where all may read them. Copies shall be supplied, on request, to the prisoners who cannot have access to the copy which has been posted. Regulations, orders, notices and publications of every kind relating to the conduct of prisoners of war shall be issued to them in a language which they understand. Every order and command addressed to prisoners of war individually must likewise be given in a language which they understand. Discuss the obligations of a prisoner of war. Among the different classifications available, the prisoner of war status is considered favored. With this favored status, there are certain obligations expressed within the Geneva Convention that must be adhered to by POWs. Prisoners of war may in no circumstances renounce in part or entirety the rights secured to them by the Geneva Convention. Prisoners of war shall retain the full civil capacity which they enjoyed at the time of their capture. The detaining power may not restrict the exercise, 
either within or without its own territory, of the rights such capacity confers, except in so far as the captivity requires. Prisoners of war must salute and show to all officers of the detaining power the external marks of respect provided for by the regulations applying in their own forces. Thank you.